Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a guy who would always say thank you if a generous publisher gave him a ride home, my polite friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm doing just fine today, James B. I, it depends on who the publisher is. Uh, I, I mean, I, he's, he's, if he's given me a lift, I got to say thank you. Fair enough. Yeah, I was surprised, too, that it implies that he didn't even get a thank you from neither Peter nor Gwen. That just didn't seem like him. <laughs> um, hey, Eddie, it's been a minute since we did a double episode covering two issues, but we are back and ready to move on through the tales of Peter Parker and friends. And today we are going to talk about issues 80 and 81 of The Amazing Spider-Man, but not with Peter Parker and friends, but we're actually going to talk with a friend of ours. Uh, yes, James B. Today we have a returning guest introducing our friend Luke C.J. Smith. We are extraordinarily happy to have you back to join us. Why don't you remind the listeners uh, who you are, Luke? Hey, Eddie. Hey, James B. Thanks a lot for having me back. So I'm an official friend of the pod. Is that right? Of That's course. right. Oh, man. I have never been on friendly terms with a podcast before. Most of the hosts I work with, I mostly get like a sense of thinly veiled annoyance. from. <laughs> so this is this is nice to be back. Thank you. Uh, so I'm here from the Marvel A Day Project, where we're reading all 750 trillion issues of the Marvel Universe, starting with Fantastic Four number one. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Marvel A Day, Marvel A Day, P-R-O-J, or you can join our group on Facebook. But that's enough about me. Ed, you want to kick off this week's Spider-Man Love Fest? All right. The amazing Spider-Man 80 on the Trail of the Chameleon. We begin with Flash and Harry surprising Peter at his apartment. Peter is irritated with Flash for having coffee with his girl, and a brief scuffle occurs. Peter calms down, talks to Flash, and gives Gwen a call to clear up the mix-up. Peter then swings off to meet Gwen at a gallery opening that Captain Stacy is guarding. Peter and Gwen nearly have an intimate moment when they are interrupted by Captain Stacy. He walks past, appearing not to recognize them, and soon after, the gallery paintings are stolen. So, okay, if the mystery of your issue is why somebody is acting weird and out of character and potentially stealing paintings that they would not ordinarily steal, maybe don't splash the chameleon on the front cover. What do you think? Yeah, oh, this bothered me so much. I had started reading this issue and taking notes, and then I put the book down, got interrupted, and I kind of started over, and I had written in my notes, why are they revealing the chameleon on the front page and the, and the cover, blah, 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 blah. And then when I started reading it over again, I took out my pencil. I started writing the same thing again. I'm like, oh, I've already complained about this. Uh, <laughs> that yeah, It bothered me so much. Chameleon um, should never be on the cover. Chameleon, You should not know the chameleon is there until the chameleon, like, takes his face off in front of you. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, these first pages really bothered me. How about you, Eddie? Um, I, I was pleased to see that when Flash and Peter got into their scuffle... Peter, he calmed down and talked out his problems with Flash. Why can't he do that more often? I didn't actually see that. I saw Peter still being a hothead the whole time through. He, Flash is the one who's really calm. Peter is really difficult through this whole conversation until finally Flash is like, you know, hey, you don't have to worry. It's I, I would have I would have tried to go out with her, but she's not interested in me. She's interested in you for some unknown reason. Worth pointing out, I think, that... Um you know he's he's got this friend who's in the in the army and he's been through you know boot camp basic training he's probably got some some you know ditch digger muscle under that uniform and he picks peter a photographer 
picks him up over his head and starts shaking him. Um, <laughs> does does nobody does nobody see that there's something kind of strange about that? I'm you know, when you got a mustache like Harry's, it really obscures your vision for seeing <laughs> things like this. He's still got his mustache, everybody, just in case you wondered. And Harry, as stated several times, is just oblivious to his roommate's actual identity. So I, I'm blaming it on the mustache again, just because that's a good fall. And this guy. is probably this is probably the third time that Flash has had to deal with Peter being a little extra strong and he's kind of brushed it off every time and maybe he just thinks this guy's strong and, and he's just willing to, to move on. Um, speaking of moving on, Eddie, what's going on in the rest of the story? All right. In a grand gesture, J. Jonah Jameson gives the sullen lovebirds a ride home from the gallery where they find a befuddled Captain Stacy. Across town, we see the faux Captain Stacy revealed as a triumphant chameleon. Does the chameleon not have a face? I don't think he does. I don't, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a face. Uh, James B., do you have any, any scholarship to this end? I, I was going to say I thought he had a face, and he was just wearing a, a white thing because it made it easier to put the rubber masks on, but um, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm just, I just got here. Like, Eddie and I are on this issue. We, we're reading forward. We're not, we don't know what happens in the future. So, yeah. Yeah, I went back and looked, and I just, there's just no face. I don't know. It, he, even when the chameleon is unmasked, he's still a mystery, I guess. So is, is Wikipedia in bounds for this conversation, or, uh, or do we not want to look? Do we not nah, want to look we ahead? Don't need, we don't okay. need Wikipedia. We'll, but I will tell you that I used to have this toy, uh, Eddie. This might be slightly before your time, called okay. the Six Million Dollar Man, and the Six Million Dollar Man didn't have a villain toy to fight against, so they created someone called. Maskatron, and I had Maskatron too. And Maskatron was a robot, and it had three faces on it. It had a Steve Austin face, so Maskatron could look like the Six Million Dollar Man. It had his boss Oscar, and then it had one other face, which was I don't know who it's supposed to be, just like a guy. But Maskatron didn't have a face unless you snapped one of these on him. He was just like a robot face. So maybe the chameleon really, like you said, doesn't really have a face unless he's wearing a fake one. I really like the idea of him not having a face. I love the, I mean, I, he just looks cool. He's just a cool-looking character with the kind of seamed white uh, plastic, possibly. Is that is that what we assume that looks and feels like? Because I, I always get the impression it's like a, a plastic, like, skull, sort of. Yeah, I mean, it, it, whatever it is, it's it's cool, and the mask, you know, slides right onto it, so. Hmm. I, I interpreted it as a fabric of some sort, but I'm, I'm going to go with your plastic face, Luke. I like that better now. But I went back to issue one, which is his first appearance, and um, he's got like a, a stitched seam almost down the front of his face, which kind of looks a little creepier. All right, well, I'm going to move on with the summary. To clear Captain Stacy's name and trick the chameleon, Spuddy arranges a trap involving bank bonds with a little help from Joe Robbie, who agrees to help him after telling Spider-Man that, as far as he can tell, Spider-Man has never committed a crime. Oh, yeah. You've never committed a crime, except for being a violent vigilante, almost continuous counts of assault and battery, breaking and entering, that time you got arrested and then broke out of prison. It could, we could go on and on about the things that Spidey has done. I, the billions of dollar of damage... Um, that he's caused. But I'm going to finish up this uh, issue. Spidey has a hard time identifying the chameleon in disguise, but just as it looks like he'll get away, Spidey finds him with ease because he's disguised as Peter Parker. 
Once apprehended, Spidey swings off with J. Jonah Jameson, wondering aloud how he identified the thief. So how much better of a cover would it have been to have Spidey punching Peter Parker in the face? I mean, I, I, I would have... That's an issue I would have picked up. I mean, because, you know, the chameleon... Is, it, is the chameleon really that much of a draw? I mean, we haven't seen him in more than five years at this point, right? I mean, this is issue 80. He was first in issue one. So, um, does it, one, does anybody even remember the chameleon? And if they do, he really is just a guy in a mask. So, I personally, yeah, I, I would go to the mystery angle, personally. I agree. He's not, I'm not like, oh my God, the chameleon's back. I have to, I have to buy this issue. Um, yeah, he appears one more time. He's in, he's in Craven's first issue as well, because mm-hmm. he's friends with Craven. And I mean, in the future, we kind of know he has a, a relation to Craven, but right now he's just more like his associate. I don't know if you've ever seen, I know you do the Marvel a Day project. If you've ever had a chance to read the early DC uh, Superman comics or the adventure comics, they do a lot of misdirections on their covers. They would have like, oh no, Superman just had to marry this this person to save Lois Lane's life. And then you'd read the comic, that really wouldn't happen. So the fact that they could have actually had Spider-Man, you know, fighting Peter Parker, yeah. it wouldn't even be a lie. You know, it would have been like, exactly. like legit. And I actually wanted Spider-Man fighting Flash Thompson back on the cover of Eight instead of the living brain. And <laughs> I would have been thrilled to buy that issue. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, that's a big deal. So, Eddie, we're going to do a double today. And the uh, the next issue is, uh, well, actually, that's up to you. You Tell us what's going on, Eddie. Amazing Spider-Man 81, The Coming of the Kangaroo. And I freaking love this issue. If I can just jump in right away. Um, it starts right off page two. J. Jonah leans out the window of his of, of the Daily Bugle, shaking his fist at Spider-Man, complaining how nobody should be above the law. And as he sa- as he does this, he drops his cigar his cigar that he illegally smuggled in from Cuba. <laughs> I think JJ is the subject of some of Stan's best writing this time period during this time period. Um, He's a cartoon character, but he he's a very precisely drawn cartoon character. We know we know exactly what Stan thinks of him, and uh, and and he doesn't sound like anybody else in comics. I love I love his JJ. Yeah, one one thing we saw last issue, Eddie, if you recall, is Peter Parker falls out the window, and in the first panel he says like you murdered the kid, and then the second panel he says oh you didn't get to steal any of my money at least. You know what I mean? Like he quickly <laughs> changes subjects, and you're like that's exactly how he should respond, right? Oh my God, yes, perfect, perfect. As you said, Luke, we open with Spidey startling J. Jonah Jameson into losing a nefarious cigar, rushing to the strange station to pick up Aunt May. He arrives a little late, and the pair of Parkers witness a bouncy criminal escape police custody. We get a backstory about the fugitive. He is the kangaroo. He's from Australia. He's worked hard to learn the ways of the Roo, and he's decided to embrace being a criminal. Uh, Is this our first uh, foreign villain? Uh, It's been a while. Yeah, we've... We've had others. Depends on you consider a villain. I don't know if you want to consider Medusa the Inhuman and Kazar from whatever country he comes from, but definitely uh, uh, Doctor Doom from uh, Latveria, Craven uh, the Hunter. That's true. He's from another country, right? He's from he's from like Soviet Union or something. And then Quicksilver, uh, also not uh, from the United States either. So there's a couple. Well, I I forgot that the Chameleon I think is from Russia too. I think he talks about it with Craven. Thing. Yeah, I'm not sure we know. I think he is, but I don't know if we know it yet. You know what I mean? Sort oh. of like, but yes, you're right. And not, that's not a spoiler. I just mean, I don't know if we know that yet. Okay. Yes. Craven and, and the chameleon are both, I think, Russians. Okay. 
Aunt May convinces Peter he needs bed rest at her place while the kang... I just, I just want to say that... Go ahead. Yeah, this is like your moment. The kangaroo has the best origin story I've read in a long time. There's no, <laughs> there's no serums involved. There's no radioactive kangaroos. He's literally a guy vacationing shirtless in the outback. And he becomes enamored with kangaroos. He, in, 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 his, uh, in his flashback, he, he, he says, I lived in kangaroo country, eating what they ate, going where they went, working, training. And we see him leaping alongside these packs of kangaroos. And it's like, so the supposition here is that anyone can teach them to perform a 20-foot high standing vertical leap with the right you know, diet. And as long as you're hanging out with kangaroos and watching their form. I love, I love, I love the kangaroo. I'm, I'm after I'm done here. I'm going on eBay. I'm going to find, I'm going to find this issue. And I'm going to buy it. I don't care how expensive it is. It's this is my one of my new favorite comics. Wow, that's that's amazing. <laughs> um, I don't think it's that expensive, by the way. So it's a good time to get in on the kangaroo. One hundred twenty dollars. It's not, is it? One hundred twenty dollars. It's uh, it's grade eight point It's not even like all oh, in that good wow. shape. So it's like wow. It can be yours. It can be mine. It can Oof. be mine for one hundred twenty dollars. All right, moving on. Gentlemen, it's hard for me not to laugh when we're discussing the kangaroo so seriously. Um, Aunt May convinces Peter he needs bed rest at her place while the kangaroo robs some guards for a vial of supposed gems. Eddie, I'm looking at page seven in the issue, and Mm -hmm. there are six panels. This entire page bothered me. So for your sake and the listeners, I'm going to explain all six panels And you tell me which of these bothered you the most, okay? Sounds good. All right. So on the first one, Peter's in bed, and he says to his aunt, "Um, uh, Aunt May, I can't stay here. I have my own apartment. So she's putting him in in, uh, Anna Watson's room. and And she says, Anna Watson is taking an extra week in Florida so you can have her bed. Go to sleep, okay? In the second panel, he says, um... This is nutty. I'm probably the healthiest joker in the whole Western Hemisphere, but I can't convince my Aunt May. But yet it makes her happy to mother me. What's the harm? She deserves a little pleasure. In the third one, it's a flashback letting us know that maybe she loved me so much because she never had a child of her own. In the fourth panel, it reminds us that she has been so dangerously ill these past months that at least he can humor her now to keep her from worrying. And it shows a picture of her looking nearly dead in bed. In the fifth panel, it says, I'd like to phone Gwendy, but how could I explain this deal? And in the last panel, it has three guys who say, I can't wait for this job to be over because it's scary being nursemaid to a jar of deadly live bacteria. This whole page is ridiculous to me. Is there one in particular that uh, bothered you? Uh, I am disturbed by the uh, the. Uh, oh, it's it's a hard choice, to, James B. I I'm very disturbed by the thought that Aunt May has nothing else in the world to do except mother Peter into forcing him to go to bed. Like this is like a joy for her to be like, <laughs> go to bed, Peter. Ah, one of my favorite things to do: force my nephew into bed. Uh, so Luke, I'll, go, wanna... I'll go with panel one. Luke, I don't know if you have the book open in front of you or not. I, you I do. Do you want to? You want to? You want to weigh in? Uh, you know, I found myself wondering. Okay, so um, he's not actually sick, but his Aunt May thinks he is, and we've got this kind of side plot going about uh, deadly live bacteria. I just assumed at some point he was going to like get a snootful of these, you know, these 
deadly you know viruses or whatever and then like the last uh, the last panel of the book would be like womp womp he actually is sick now and his aunt may gets to bring him chicken soup in bed <laughs> but we never go there and i was kind of disappointed frankly so i would say panel six is the one that lets me down the most gotcha all right eddie well he, why don't you tell us what happens at the end of this book uh, stuck at Aunt May's, Peter hears of the robbery and that the vial actually contains a deadly pathogen. He webs up a dummy Peter and places it into his bed before he swings off to find the kangaroo. The kangaroo puts up a good fight and the vial he is carrying nearly breaks, but Spidey catches it while the kangaroo hops off. Upon arriving home, Spidey finds Aunt May crumpled on the ground. She saw his web dummy and fainted. She recovers, but is unsure of her sanity. Peter blames himself for her ailments at the end. Aunt May draws back the covers of Peter's bed and finds her <laughs> beloved nephew's illness has reduced him to a nightmarish wicker man husk of coiled spider webs. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm an awful person, but I rarely laugh out loud as, as hard as I did when at the look elderly. of terror on her face while she's passing out. <laughs> laughing at an elderly lady who has many ailments, Luke. She thinks she killed so her frail. nephew. She thinks he died and turned into a bunch of spider webs. <laughs> Why did I have him do that bed rest? <laughs> Decomposed him immediately or whatever. Uh, he's turned into a big mass of steel wool. Oh, God. <laughs> I love oh, it. I, I love it. <laughs> and then and then he decides he's going to convince her that this didn't happen, and she's just going to accept it and... And Stan Lee has written himself right out of that corner, right? <laughs> Bamf. Poor Aunt May. Sorry, uh, Aunt, you're just crazy. You didn't see that. <laughs> at least he didn't, like, throw a psychedelic, like, goblin bomb at her to try to fool her mind like poor Norman Osborne not too long ago. So he could have gone that route again. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, psychedelic minds and convincing people of things, Eddie... <laughs> I think I have a sponsor today that you can be very interested in. All right. I'm ready, James B. Eddie, I know you enjoy soccer. So would you like to learn some new skills that are guaranteed to make you better at ball handling? That, I, that is one of my favorite hobbies. Yes, James B. Oh, Eddie, you may recall that the kangaroo used to spend his vacations studying kangaroos, the way they ran and jumped so he could learn and then he lived in kangaroo country and he was eating what they ate and he was going where they went working training it worked and he was able to cash in on it and become the kangaroo but eddie he was a bit misunderstood well eddie from the parent company of midtown science high school brings you the next great learning opportunity eddie I, I, I just can't believe this. I wish I could do this, but listen, Eddie, they are looking for the next great superhero, the hamster. Now, listen, participants will live together in a large room full of wood chip shavings, eating sunflower seeds and drinking water from a large tank suspended over their heads. Eddie, heat and lightning is controlled by large wheels, which you can run in. And after a month, the top three will graduate and be released from the room to spend two weeks mastering the ultimate weapon, the hamster ball. Eddie, oh wow, I, I mean, I can't believe you're eligible for this. Limited seats are available, but it's unlimited praise from the public if you are chosen. And also, Olympic-level athlete, Hunter, and hand-to-hand -hand combatant, Craven, is not just a supporter of this program, but he's also a former client. Eddie, are you ready to be a hero instead of a zero? Wait, wait. Are you calling Craven a hamster? <laughs> I'm not following you at that part, James V. 
I believe he's participated just like the kangaroo studied how to be a kangaroo. I think Craven oh, must have been a participant okay. in possibly like, you know, one of the other animals. Maybe that's why he's so good with like the like the like the lions and the tigers. I think I'm going to pass on this one. Can you explain to Eddie Luke what I'm, what's going on here? Um, so as I understand it, the hamster has the preternatural skills of a hamster. Correct. Yes. Um, and so I'm having a bit of a hard time. You see, having been a former hamster owner myself, I'm not sure quite how hamsters, even large hamsters, could be of benefit to society necessarily. So, but I am a big fan of American gladiators and the idea of more human-sized hamster balls, I'm all in favor of. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to endorse this. Thank you for sponsoring us, but no thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll take that as a uh, possibility, Eddie, as a possibility you will be willing to be the next uh, superhero. It worked out for uh, the kangaroo. So, you know, could work out for you, too. Um, is there anything else about either issue that we want to discuss here? We had, of course, the, the first issue being the chameleon and the second issue being the kangaroo. I feel like there's some stuff we we didn't get to talk about here. Is there anything uh, we want to bring up? Yeah, you know, I, I like I said before, I I love this issue not just because of the the money shot of Aunt May <laughs> panicking and falling over. Uh, uh, the kangaroo story actually is actually pretty pretty uh, decent in terms of being kind of a knuckle biter. Um, so you've got you know basically the guy who can jump really high in the kangaroo versus the guy in Spider Man who can jump really high and also throw a truck at you. It's a one sided fight, surely. But having this vial of like deadly bacteria in the in the kangaroo's pocket the whole time, that's kind of introduces the tension of the issue, um, and so Spider-Man has to figure out a way to fight the kangaroo without accidentally unleashing this this plague, uh, and it winds up actually being a really really compelling story, despite the fact that you know the the villain basically looks like Thundar the Barbarian with you know Andy Warhol's hair. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, I'm going to, as soon as we're off, I'm going to go buy this issue. It's, it's an all timer for me. I really like this one. Um, he's carrying a deadly vial. Can Spidey just like web him in place and take the deadly vial? Right? Kind it's of. It's too risky. Instead too of risky. like trying too to risky. knock him out. It's too risky. <laughs> Come on, Eddie. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> too- sorry. All right. Otherwise. <laughs> all right. Great kangaroo. I really liked the fact that the chameleon decides to impersonate Peter Parker at the end. I think there's just so much more we could have done with this. I mean, we talked about how it should be on the cover, but the fact that one, he has a Peter Parker mask and he, he chose Peter Parker and that, you know, and that <laughs> Spider-Man's like, well, clearly I know you're not Peter Parker. <laughs> and everyone's <laughs> like, um, okay, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a great ending. I really did. Um, I know you're really a big fan of 81. Did you like the cover on issue 81, uh, Luke? Yeah, super dynamic cover. I mean, there's not a lot to it, but it's uh, but there's definitely some some uh, some serious motion going on there. Um, Bushima, I just really I really dig his art. I'm a I'm an Avengers guy from way back. Some of my earliest uh, memories of reading comics were Bushima's um, Avengers run. So seeing him on Spidey here is a is a is a ton of fun. I'm really I'm really having a good time uh, in this this particular run of uh, of issues. Yeah. Oh, um, one thing I was thinking about. And Eddie and I have this debate going on a little bit, mm-hmm. but on page five, you know, I, 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 it makes me very disappointed when I when she calls the pet name that Gwen has for Peter is Mr. Parker. I hate it. But she says, "Why are you looking at me that way, Mr. Parker?" And he's like, "Maybe I just suddenly realized how much I've missed you, Gwendy, or maybe I don't feel like talking." And he goes in for the kiss. 
and interrupted by, well, it's the chameleon, but interrupted by, you know, uh, dad, Captain Stacy. Now, Eddie, Captain Stacy came upon them last time and said, don't let me interrupt you guys. I was young once, too. Remember this? <laughs> and Eddie and I have debated. I don't believe that Peter's ever kissed her. Hmm. I, I think he almost kiss. kisses her many times. And here's another chance where he doesn't quite kiss her. I think hmm. no one wants to see them kissing in these comics. So, Oh, interesting. Is hmm. that a comics code authority? That's not a comics code authority thing, certainly, right? I think there's no 13-year-old boy who's like, I can't wait to see Peter kissing Gwen. I, I don't know. Gwen's a looker. I mean... <laughs> True. Gwen and Lucima Gwen's a looker. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself as we start wrap things up here? Because we, we know about the Marvel A Day Project, but tell us a little bit about uh, Luke C.J. Smith. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So uh, in addition to my time with uh, the folks over at the Marvel A Day Project, um, I'm also uh, part of a band. Uh, we call ourselves Ars Arcanum. We're based out of St. Louis, and we are a Dungeons a Dungeons and Dragons-themed metal band. Uh, we just dropped our first EP. You can listen to it on Spotify. That name, again, is Ars Arcanum, A-R-S-A-R-C. A-N-U-M. And if you type that into your web browser followed by .net, you will find our website where you can learn more about us. Wow, a comic book guy who's into Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Who would have thought? And I'm broadcasting from my basement. But at least it's my basement and not my parents' basement anymore. Well done, Luke. Luke, where where can people find uh, you? Just told us we could find the band. Where can they find you if they wanted to reach out to you? Oh, you can always reach us at Marvel a Day on Twitter. Or, I'm sorry, at Marvel a Day P R O J on Twitter. Eddie, where can they find us? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey, or uh, you can email us anytime at Let's Read Spider-Man at gmail.com. Awesome. Uh, Luke, would you be able to uh, take us home today? Absolutely. And remember, no one is above the law unless thick, sweet Cuban cigars are on the line. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, Goodbye. Is there anything else in these books that we just, you know, for sake of time that we kind of skipped that might be worth uh, talking about still? How about you, Eddie? Is there anything? Uh, you, you... I, hey, on in 80, on page four, I think this is the most awkward drawing of Spider-Man, the bottom Holy panel. Holy cow, yes. <laughs> this is a, like, full-on <laughs> crotch butthole shot that... <laughs> How did this one make it through? I was like going through, kind of revising, and I looked at this. I'm like, what? Are we staring into Spidey's butthole? This this panel? I and Eddie Luke Luke had this in in our show notes. Luke had put in a comment, and I had to look up the word. I admit. Remember the word that you used, Luke? I used the word perineum, which is a slightly more genteel way of saying balls and butthole. <laughs> Yeah, I, I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> but, hey, who am I to tell you how to approach your podcast? Let, let, me make, let me make fun of myself more because I enjoy this. So Luke <laughs> writes the comment and says something like, blah, blah, blah. And again, that word I don't know. And I'm like, what's the panel he's looking at really bothers him? So I look at page four, and at the top of page four, there's like the insert of Peter talking on the phone right next to Peter talking on the phone. And I'm uh -huh. like, oh, that must be some kind of perineum type of thing. 
because this looks that's what that's what they must call an insert of a person in his own panel. And then I look it up and I'm like, oh, it's not that at all. I'm like, what is he talking about? Context clues. They'll kill you if you're not careful. That's true story. Oh. That's hysterical. I, just, I mean, what a what a panel, and what a what like what everyone was like. Yeah, let's yeah put that one through. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at a certain point, I guess the editor's just like, well, that's what we got. <laughs> my my only other one of this is I am just so pleased when the cop calls Jay Jonah a nincompoop. I mean, I love that word, but like having Jay Jonah be called a nincompoop by anyone is a great moment, and um. It does happen in this issue, so. Here, here. Loving it. Loving it. 